Hello, I'm Rachel Bevan from the Oncology Network, proud producers of the Oncology Journal Club podcast. Today's episode is an ASCO 2022 special. Craig Underhill talks to Jeannie Tai about all things ctDNA. Jeannie talks us through the dynamic trial, an overnight success only 12 years in the making. You'll find links to the paper, bios and Twitter handles in the notes on our websites. For regular news and podcast updates, we invite healthcare professionals to join us at oncologynetwork.com.au. It's free and it's a fantastic way to support the OJC. We hope you enjoy listening. This is Rachel Bavin and this is the Oncology Podcast. Okay, so it's a great pleasure to welcome back to the Oncology Journal podcast, Associate Professor Jeannie Tai, who is working at the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute in Melbourne and Peter McCallum Cancer Institute. Congratulations, Jeannie, on your presentation today on Dynamic, which we'll explain in Thank a second. You. I opening my Twitter account this morning when I woke up, there was a whole heap on there about Dynamic and, and people saying it was really a plenary-worthy paper. Did you have you had much feedback after the presentation? Yeah, yeah. I think all positive feedback about how great the trials are. I've done quite a few interviews and even reporters are saying it's, it's a great study. It's different to any other studies, innovative looking at reducing use of treatment instead of keep giving new treatments and extending survival for a few months. So I think from, from an innovation point of view and from patient care point of view is a great study. So all the feedback and certainly I think I've been reading some of the Twitter some of the patients were asking why is it now not part of standard of care yeah fantastic so that's exactly right when my thoughts were when I read it you know this is a every week question in an MDT or a clinic faced with a patient with stage two disease which way are you going to jump and so this helps us guide guide us now in that decision making process so let's get into it do you want to explain the outline of the study, Jeannie? Yeah, so as you you know, Craig, we both treat colorectal cancer. You know, stage two colon cancer is one of, one of the, I guess, greatest clinical dilemma when it comes to advising patients whether they need chemotherapy or not and, and trying to describe to them and explain to them the, the benefit of having chemotherapy. You know, what does 5% mean? What does 3% mean to mm-hmm. the patient? And often I sort of give the patient the choice whether they have chemotherapy or not, thinking that, you know, maybe it's up to them and then they'll just come back to me and say, what would you recommend, doctor? And I, I find it really difficult to give them a truthful advice. So we really need better biomarker really to pick the patient who's more likely to relapse and is one who very unlikely to relapse and therefore unlikely to benefit from chemotherapy. So as you know, we've done, you know, over the last 10 to 12 years, a lot of work in the ctDNA field, just really looking at ctDNA as a prognostic biomarker. So Dynamic is now taking that next step and say, can we use this test to guide therapy compared to standard care and improve patient outcome? And in this case, improving patient outcome is to reduce the number of patients needing chemotherapy, but not compromising their recurrence-free survival. So basically, the study randomized 455 patients across 23 Australian centers from 2015 to 2019. A group of patients were randomized to ctDNA guided management, where if they have a ctDNA positive result at either week four or seven after surgery, they receive 
either fluoropyridine or oxaliplatin-based doublet chemotherapy at clinician's discretion. And the patient with a negative test at birth week four and seven, they untreated, just undergo surveillance or observation. And then the other control arm is really your standard management arm, standard management arm where you don't get the CTDNA results and clinicians are basically managing the patient as per our current standard practice. So what we found was really CTDNA guidance could reduce the use of chemotherapy from 28%, which is the proportion in the standard care arm, down to 15%, which is the proportion of patients receiving chemotherapy in the CTDNA-guided arm. So almost half the number of patients requiring chemotherapy and did not compromise the recurrence-free survival. So the two-year and three-year recurrence-free survival were similar between the two arms. We also meet our non-inferiority margin. Well, interestingly enough, I create the you know, three-year recurrence-free survival for both arms were above 90%. So clearly our stage two patients do really well. Because, you know, surgical techniques improve. I can't remember the last time we had the patient with less than 12 lymph node yields. So they surgical technique and qualities improve, our stagings improve. So, you know, our stage two patient probably do really well. We quote the 80% in the past. That's probably, you know, under-quoting their recurrence-free survival. In this study, it was a high 80s, wasn't it? Is it three-year mark? No, I think the three-year recurrence-free survival, I need to... Quick reference here. I can't remember the numbers. The three-year recurrence-free survival was around 92% for both arms. 92%. So that's fantastic. It's very reassuring that if these patients are CTDNA negative, you absolutely do not need to give them chemotherapy. Oh, so that's across the board. And for CTDNA negative patient that didn't receive chemotherapy, because by protocol they don't, our three-year recurrence-free survival was 92.5%. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And were there nuances within those stage two? So, you know, you're faced with a patient, they're stage two, but sometimes mm. they're T4, or, you know, there's the old thing about the perforation yeah. or obstruction. Yeah. You were able to, I saw in the forest pots that all the subgroups benefited. So, really, we can probably say that if their CTDNA is negative, they're all okay not to give chemo to. There's no one yeah. particular group within that stage two that you still would. Well, based on the forest plot for the recurrence-free survival, it actually appears that the T4 patient do better than T3. They actually benefit more from CTDNA guidance. That may be because they're all getting Folfox in the CTDNA guided arm. Now, hard to tease out. It may be because uh, I think our study showed that the proportion of patients receiving chemotherapy, uh, the proportion of patients receiving Folfox is higher than in the CTDNA guided arm than the standard management arm. It's because clinician now knows that, you know, CTDNA is such a bad prognostics marker that they give, they're willing to give them Folfox chemotherapy. So about six, over 60% of patients were getting Folfox in the CTDNA guided arm, whereas only 10% were giving, are getting Folfox in the standard management arm. And so it may be that the recurrent survival benefit we're seeing in the T4 group in the forest plot is due to the use of Folfox for that reason. What we did look at recurrence-free survival in the CTDNA negative group untreated and stratify them by clinical resident T stage. So, I mean, it is there is a difference in recurrence-free survival by clinical resident T stage. So CTDNA negative patient, if you're T3, your recurrence-free survival is 94.2%, whereas if you're T4 and untreated CTDNA negative, your recurrence-free survival is 81.3%. So they don't do as well. 
But the question is, do they benefit from chemotherapy, the mm. T4, CCPA, negative patient? That could be, you know, a question maybe a future study can answer. Yes. It's going to be difficult to recruit a small small number of patients with negative T4, but, you know, an ideal study would be to randomize your CCDA negative T4 to chemo versus no chemo. I mean, 81.3% is still pretty good for T4. I thought without stratification with CCDNA, i just thinking historically, we're quoting probably recurrence rate about 60, 70% for that group of patients. Yeah. T4. They do worse than, say, three, right? Your T4 patients, yeah. generally. Yeah. So maybe this study, Jeannie, in those groups, if they're net CTDNA negative in the T4s and then follow them serially, and if this CTDNA becomes positive, you give them early intervention. Yeah, you can treat then. That's the other thing. Yeah. And the other thing is side of recurrence. That's something that we will be looking at as well. But I have a feeling that there's certain disease sites like peritoneal disease, we know that they don't shed as much DNA, certainly not into the circulation. And so that's where a lot of the false negative comes from, uh, a patient with peritoneal disease. Then the counter argument is, does adjuvant chemotherapy really work to prevent peritoneal recurrence? We seem to think it's mainly for systemic distant recurrence that reduces, but peritoneal maybe not so. So, you know, are the patient we're missing out, will they benefit from systemic treatment anyway? They may not. Then you know, then it's, you can still avoid chemotherapy in this patient if they're not going to benefit. So tell us quickly about the trial itself, um, the test, sorry, the CTDNA test, mm-hmm. Jenny, what that involves at the moment. Blood I understand goes yeah. off to Stanford, is that right? Uh, John Hopkins. So we collaborate at Johns Hopkins University, yeah, Volgesin's lab at the Lufthansa Centre at Johns Hopkins. So we've been collaborating with them for the last 12 years. So how it works is that, so this is what we call a tumour-informed assay, where each patient's tumour tissue were sent to them initially, and they analysed for mutations in 15 genes that's recurrently mutated in colorectal cancer. For example, your APC, TP53, your RAS, your BRAF, P3PCA, those common genes that's mutated in colorectal cancer. So they look for mutations in each patient's tumour, and they then depending on what mutation they find, they then design a personalized assay for that particular patient. So patient X assay cannot be used for patient Y because it's specifically designed for them based on their mutation profile. So once they find the mutation tissue, then they look for the presence of those mutations in the patient's plasma sample at week four and seven using the safe sequencing assay, which is a, a special assay designed specifically to detect this very, very low level mutation. So how long does that take for that test to come back and the cost at the moment, Jeannie, outside yeah, of the so trial? Turn around from us shipping to them and the result coming back, it's around about four to five weeks at the moment. The cost, the test is not commercialised at the moment, but in the next few months it will be. In fact, it will be a newer version, a better version of this test that will be commercialised. Now, price, I don't know. It will be competitive with, some of the commercial assay currently out there like Signaterra and Garden Health. But it will be a few thousand dollars US. That's the ballpark. It'll still need to go off to to the US, presumably. It won't be a lab doing it in so Australia. So at this stage, when they first set up, it will go to the US. So I think I have been pers- trying to convince them to come to Australia. That is the plan. Once they set up in the US and they work out the workflow and logistics better, the, there is plan to expand further, yep. including Australia. 
And I just thought we probably should talk briefly about this current study, Dynamic 3, which is in node positive, so stage 3 patients, and looking to mm-hmm. use the CTDNA to either de-escalate the chemotherapy if, if they're CTDNA negative or escalate the chemotherapy if they're positive. I think I've got that yeah. design mm-hmm. right in my head. So that's a really exciting yeah. study too, Jeannie, because I think you mentioned about Dynamic was practical and, you know, innovative and potentially practice changing. I think Dynamic 3 is another one as well because it's really trying to answer the questions in real life sort of situation, Mm, how we mm. should use this technology. So how's that study going? It's going really well. So we're over 75% of the target recruitment. We wanted to recruit 1,000 patients. So last I hear, I think we're 780-something also, we also have an um, international partner from Canadian Cancer Trials Group who's recruiting really well as well. So I'm hoping that we'll reach our recruitment target by the end of the year, if not um, Q1 next year. So it'll be very exciting. We'll be hopefully the, also the first, say, three trial to read out eventually. Edgerman trial does take a long time. I'll retire by then, yeah. actually, Craig. Uh, good on you. So, look, congratulations on Dynamic. It's been amazing. I was just looking up. We had you previously on the podcast, Jeannie. So big congratulations, Jeannie, on today. I'm sure you're exhausted after today doing the media <laughs> interviews and all that. Yeah, I'll just have to have dinner and crash. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's an overnight success of at least 12 years in the making by the sounds of it. So like all these things, it's you know many years of work, of innovation, hard work to get the study protocols up and running, to get them executed, get them recruited. So, you know, yeah. well done. It's fantastic. Thank you. Well, it wouldn't happen really without all the sites participating, you know, 23 Australian sites. And for the Dynamic 3, we I think we have 43 Australian sites in those studies. So it couldn't happen with, without everyone's participation and contribution. So it's really a teamwork from Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Fantastic. And what's the vibe of the meeting, Jeannie? Is it exciting to be there or a bit kind of you're a bit nervous about being in a hall with 30,000 strangers from around the world? I've had COVID six weeks ago, so I'm feeling invincible at the moment. So <laughs> it's not so much a problem for me. I'm not wearing any masks, but I certainly think this year is not as busy as usual. I hear that it's about 20,000 people, and usually they get about 40. I'm very so happy to see each other and see colleagues. I think it's life just per usual as, as per ESCO. Some are wearing masks, some are not. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure the people who've escaped getting it so far are probably wearing Yes, indeed. And you get to go out tonight and have a nice dinner in in Chicago? Yes, I'm going out tonight with a group. And then tomorrow I'm having a celebrated dinner with one of my colleagues. So, And I don't know which restaurant is a surprise. Fantastic. Oh, anything else caught your eye today in the GI space or you didn't have time really to get to I see? I didn't have time. I had to do a lot of interviews afterwards. So I didn't really have time to go to the post the session and also missed the post the discussion this afternoon. So I couldn't really comment, but I'm excited to see what the orals have to bring on Monday and the plenary tomorrow about more anti-GFR in the first line, left versus right. Yeah, what's that all about? That'd be interesting. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Hopefully there may be something interesting. I wonder if that was an example of some bit of data dredging in subsets or something, but I don't know. We'll see. I guess Penny's not been used. It's not been done in the first line. So this is the first study with panitumumab. 
the other two, VAR3 and, and uh, CLGB, were with cetuximab. And also, this is probably the first study with Firefox, VAR3 uh, with Solfiri. I just remember too, Eva sent me a text in the middle of the night. You got a question from Vogel, New York. I, oh, Vogel, New York, me and him are best friends. He always comes to my session. Yeah. And he cast my poster previously and come and ask. He's very interested in CTGNA. Yeah. Fantastic. So he's a friend of the podcast. <laughs> We've had him on a few times. I'm oh, really? Gonna... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We should have a panel. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, you're, you're on. Yeah, yeah. We should definitely have a panel discussion. What did he, do you remember what he asked you? Today or yesterday? I'd just gone to bed, so it must have been during your session. And she sent me a photo and it was Vogel. asking about mutation predicts for chemotherapy benefit was it him got a photo it was microphone too <laughs> you don't remember i'm sure your head was your head spinning doing all that a little bit i'm just tired so i i had a session education session yesterday as well which had a lot of questions as well so i'm getting a bit confused oh, okay. about the questions oh what did he ask like well i have to ask either she might remember yeah i will good on you well, your life is fulfilled now. You've had I've been asked a question That's by right. Vogel in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Not till I do a panel with him oh, on your okay. yeah. Yeah, we'll get him on. Yes. Fantastic. Definitely. That's a date. So Jeannie, I hope you get to have a nice dinner tonight, nice glass of wine or champagne in celebration. We'll as a, yeah, congratulations. Oh concurrent New England Journal paper. We'll put the link to that as well. Thank I just you. had a read of that over my breakfast this morning. It's great. It's easy to understand. <laughs> Paper well written, well done. Lots of regional Australians contributed to the yes. writing of that as well. So that's nice. Yes. So episode 30, we did a CTDNA special. So for anyone listening who wants to brush up on this whole field of CTDNA, that could be a good starting point. Have a listen to episode 30. Fantastic. Enjoy the rest of the meeting and we'll hopefully catch up soon. Thank you, Craig. You've been listening to the Oncology Podcast. If you enjoyed today's edition and would like to subscribe, head over to our website, oncologynews.com.au and sign up to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.